Girlfriends, episode number 178, Healthy Ways to Handle Failure. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I am on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week we're talking about how to handle it when we mess up. How can we handle failure in a healthy way? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Glad you're joining me for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Always glad when we can connect here. How have you been? How's the start to your summer? Here in New Hampshire, um, it feels like summer some days. We've had some summer weather. We've still had a ton of rain, uh, but it doesn't fully feel like summer because my kids, my two who go to high school, are still in school. I know. It's crazy. And some of you down south are like, what? We've been off of school for over a month. I know. And uh, it's because we've had so many snow days, especially this year. They're going especially late. We usually do go well into June, but not quite this late. So looking forward to the kids' schedules shifting. And actually, it's starting to feel like a summer schedule around here. I absolutely love the summer. Um, Lisa Hendy and I recorded a podcast over at Catholic Mom, so you can check it out. Maybe I'll put a link in the show notes for you of the Catholic Momcast talking about summer schedules shifting and um, sharing some ideas for ways to have an offline summer. And, you know, whether or not you're choosing to unplug this summer or trying to use, you know, fewer screens or have less screen time or get outdoors more with your kids, I think the summer is a great time to think about what your goals are, to think about a project you might consider taking on, because um, it's very interesting that it's, you know, a set period of time, three months or so. And it's kind of set apart culturally, especially if you have kids, because they're not in school usually during the summer months, or they might go to camp or, you know, family schedules change for the summertime. So I find it's a helpful time to kind of think about what kind of work projects you might want to take on and what kind of goals you might want to set for the coming weeks. If you have ideas, um, things that are going on with you, maybe you can inspire us. Maybe we should do an episode here at Girlfriends about plans for the summer. Um, I would love to do that. So anyway, send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com if you have ideas for for a summer-themed show, or just let me know what's going on in your world. I did get a ton of feedback, so I'm going to get to that at the end of the show. I guess it's been a little while since I recorded a regular episode, because last week I did that live one, which was a ton of fun, and that went really well. I hope that you can be a part of a future one um, if I do some more live shows. So for those of you who don't know, last week's episode was a live show. I recorded it live on Facebook. It was a ton of fun to be able to interact with people while I was recording the show. So I'm definitely planning to do some more of those. I haven't really worked out a schedule or anything. Um, but look for those in the coming weeks. I would love for you to be a part of one. It's really kind of a cool way to kind of expand the way that we connect here on the podcast. I know a number of the people who dropped by the live because it was on Ascension's Facebook page probably had never even listened to Girlfriends before. So it was a nice opportunity to introduce them to the Girlfriends podcast. But then I know there were some regular listeners there too. So thank you to those of you who showed up and participated. And I look forward to doing some more in the future. All right. Well, this week's topic is about how to handle failure. I was thinking about this recently because a friend of mine was sharing that she didn't get a job that she really actually was pretty sure she was going to get and how it really threw her and um, how she was struggling to react, you know, in a healthy way to this 
disappointing news to this failure of hers, you know? And um, it made me think that this is an opportunity that we all have. We all experience failure in different ways in our lives. Um, But I never really heard anybody talk about it specifically. Like, how do you handle failure? How do you handle it in a healthy way? Because as I was talking with my friend over email about the situation that she was going through, um, you know, she was sharing some ideas and some thoughts and some of her own ways that she was tempted to respond. (laughs) Not all healthy ways. Um, So I I thought maybe we should examine this a little bit. And even if you're not experiencing failure right now, um, maybe this could be helpful to somebody you know who's going through that or, you know, helpful to you in the future because life is like that. We all experience failure in in big ways and in small ways. It could be something just, you know, small that doesn't go your way um, or it could be something major or um, it could be a failure in your personal relationships or um, in a goal that you set that you didn't achieve. Whatever it is, we don't like it. And I think we don't talk about it enough. So I came up with six different ideas um, for ways that I think are helpful for a healthy approach to how to handle it when life gives you failure in whatever way that it does. So um, the first one I think is important. Um, and this kind of came out of my conversations with my friend. The first one is acknowledge how you feel. Because I know I've done this sort of out of a sense of self-preservation or something or pride, maybe. If you fail at something, sometimes the temptation is to completely ignore it, to not examine how you feel about it, to be like, that's fine, moving on, you know. And and to some extent, that can be okay. You don't want to really be dwelling in it. But I think it's important to acknowledge how you feel. If you're feeling embarrassed or if you're feeling anxious or if you're feeling sad or angry about this failure that you've experienced in whatever way, um, acknowledge that, at least for a moment. You know, you don't have to like dive deep into your anger, but acknowledge that you feel that way. It's okay. These are normal reactions to a negative thing. You know, failing at something is a negative thing that happens. And having these negative emotions is a normal response to it. So don't try to stuff your feelings and don't don't try to pretend they're not there. Don't try to um, you know, quickly move on to the next thing and not fully acknowledge it because that that sets you up for those those feelings coming out in some other way, and maybe not so healthy way, maybe in less appropriate way. Um, but I think it's important to think about how you feel about it and um, fully acknowledge how you feel about it, accept the fact that you feel this way about it. And by accept, I don't mean, you know, going into that deep dive into negativity, but just sort of in a non-judging way. I think sometimes I was talking with this, um, talking about this with my women's group that I meet with once a week at my church last week. It came up related to some other topic, but uh, I think sometimes we judge ourselves for how we feel. Like we don't allow ourselves to even feel the way that we do, even when it's a very normal human response to something negative. I think we sometimes are quick to judge ourselves. Like, I shouldn't be feeling impatient right now. I shouldn't be feeling frustrated right now. I shouldn't be feeling angry right now. And we're upset with ourselves and judging ourselves for how we're feeling, which is actually a normal thing. So let yourself have your feelings. Feel your feelings. Acknowledge your feelings. You know, you don't have to say them out loud, but it could be helpful to do that. It could be helpful to journal about it. It could be helpful to just talk to a friend about it. Um, That's going to be a future, one of my little tips here. Um, But you know, if you're feeling embarrassed, if you're feeling anxious about the future because of this failure, if you're if you're feeling, you know, all these things coming back up from your childhood because of this thing that you've experienced, this rejection maybe at work or in a personal relationship, like 
acknowledge that. You don't have to judge yourself for feeling a certain way. It's normal to have feelings, you know, and you get to choose how you act on those feelings. So don't be trying to hide the fact that you have these negative feelings. I fully acknowledge it. I think it's very helpful to even just start there. All right. Number two, intervene (laughs) in your life um, with any kind of negative coping that might be going on. Um, so there are healthy responses and there are unhealthy responses, right? Whether it's, um, maybe you're tempted to drink or maybe you're tempted to act out in your other personal relationships, or maybe you're tempted to overeat or just lie in bed, you know, for 48 hours straight or whatever it is, recognize that there are, um, these temptations we have for negative coping, unhealthy ways of coping with failure. Now, All of those things that I just listed could be part of a healthy response to failure, but they're in in a limited capacity, right? Um, It's okay to say, uh, you know, I had this horrible thing happen at work. I'm going to go home. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm going to relax with my family. That's fine. You know, that, but just recognize the ways in which you're using things like alcohol or having a giant you know, pizza or you know whatever it is that you're you're doing. Um, you know, I think it's 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 okay in a limited capacity. But when we're leaning on those things as our way of coping, that's when you need to intervene. That's when you need to recognize this is not a long term strategy for how I'm going to handle this failure. You know, look for those ways that you might be lo- looking to numb yourself because that's never a healthy response, right? Um, you know, we just talked about it's important to be acknowledging your feelings. One of the ways that we try not to acknowledge our feelings is numbing ourselves with alcohol, with food, with, um, you know, whatever indulgence <laughs> you are tempted toward. If you're using something to numb your feelings or to not fully acknowledge your feelings, that's not a healthy way to cope. So any kind of that negative coping that's going on, recognize it and intervene, Okay. Um, Number three, engage in some healthy responses. What might those be? Call your friend, call your girlfriend, vent to your husband, call your mom, you know, exercise, go out for a walk, go back to some um, hobby or habit that you used to enjoy, whether it's like reading a romance novel or, um, you know, having a hot cup of tea and just curling up on the couch, you know, take care of yourself in some ways. I think that this is a very healthy way to respond. Um, these these ways that lead to action, I think, are very helpful and um, very, very soothing and very healing. You know, if you if you have a good friend that you can call and you can talk about it, talk all through it, and she'll kind of help you through it and give you a little bit of support in what you're going through, whatever it is that you've experienced failure in, you're going to come away from that feeling better about it and feeling acknowledged. And you're not going to want to dive into some of those negative coping mechanisms. So look for some healthy responses. And I think it's really helpful to, to sit down and think about, you know, what you're tempted to do in the face of failure. And then decide which ones are are good for you, which ones are ultimately going to be good for you and healthy and healing, and which ones um, maybe need to get crossed off your list, maybe which ones you need to avoid. Um, So I think it's, it's just helpful to examine yourself in that way. Okay, so acknowledge your feelings, stop any negative coping that might be going on, engage in some healthy coping in whatever way that might look for you. All right, number four, I think this is important, is to accept responsibility as it's appropriate in your situation. Um, 
something that you might be tempted to do when you fail is blame everybody else, right? I, I know I do this. <laughs> you know, if, if things don't go my way, it's everybody else's fault. But this is really a helpful and empowering thing to do to recognize what, how did this happen? In what way it might have been caused by you? Something you did, something you didn't do. What could you have done differently? What amends might you need to make if it's a failure in a personal relationship? Um, or in what ways could you have handled that job interview differently? Or, um, you know, looking for ways in which you can accept responsibility for what happened. Because you know what happens is if you fail and you can acknowledge in some ways it was your fault, you can accept responsibility for at least part of it, then that very much empowers you to be in charge of your future going forward, to make things happen that you want to happen in your life. It may not be that particular job or it it may not be um, whatever it was that you were trying to accomplish in your personal relationship. It may not be that that's going to be your boyfriend or it may not be that um, you're going to get along with that woman or, you know, whatever it is that you found yourself failing at. Accept responsibility as appropriate. And, you know, that might be a very limited, a very limited thing, but give some thought to that, to what you might have done differently. And then that leads to the next one, which is ask yourself what you can learn from this situation. And this is the biggest one, because if you fail and you never learn from it, then yeah, that absolutely is a failure. But if you fail at something and you learn from it and you gain something from it, whether it's wisdom or knowledge or a new way of thinking going forward, then you win. That ultimately isn't a failure. You know, one thing that might be helpful to do is do a little Googling. It's really helpful to find out about people that you really respect and admire, people who are hugely successful, and then read their backstory. Read all the ways that they failed before they succeeded. This is how human beings learn. We try things. Some of them work. Some of them don't. And this is how we learn things. And people who are successful are people who keep on trying things. People who are successful didn't just try that one thing and it worked out great for them. I don't believe that at all. You know, even look at people in your own life whose work or personal life you respect and admire. Then look at the ways they approach things or even have a conversation with them about ways that they got there. And um, it's really very eye-opening because we learn from our failures. In a lot of ways, they can be a great gift because they can teach you something about yourself. First of all, they can teach you what kind of person you are. Um, In You Are Enough, I shared a story about when I was in sixth grade and I tried out for the cheerleading squad. Spoiler alert, I didn't make the squad. Um, But that was a teaching moment for me in my life because it was very much teaching me about who I was, what kind of person I was, what kind of person I was trying to be and maybe why I was trying to be a different kind of person. Um, And, you know, this is in sixth grade. (laughs) I was only beginning a life of failure at that point. Um, No, so, you know, in all the ways that we fail, whether it's little ways that we fail, um, like maybe you failed because you screamed at your kids. You got impatient and you screamed at your kids in the afternoon. Well, this is an opportunity to learn, to examine that situation, say, you know, why was I doing that? Um, Why was I feeling so impatient? Was I, I was stressed about this other thing and I took it out on my kids or, um, you know, examine the situation and you can learn from that 
going forward and learn to avoid that failure. You can, in that small example, you can learn what your trigger points are. Um, and you can have a conversation with your kids where you apologize and then they learn from it too about how to make amends after a failure like that. Um, but then also in a professional way, if you fail at something at work, it can teach you that you don't yet have the skills for what you want to do. Or it can make you examine your situation and say, I actually don't want that position. I don't actually, that isn't actually a goal of mine. That's not the kind of person I am. I'm not a good fit for that. And you had to try it to find out. So look for a way that you can learn from your failure. Ultimately, that's the greatest gift of any failure we might ever experience. The fact that we can learn from it. So ask yourself what you can learn. And then this last one leads directly out of that one. Make a plan for the future. Don't just sit there in your failure, okay? You, you get like one day if it's a big failure, okay? And then start making your plan for the future, whether you're going to apply for a different job or seek out a new friendship or get some kind of training or take on a new hobby or um, you know make a new goal for a fundraiser, whatever it is make a plan based on what you learned about yourself and your situation from that failure that you experienced. Um, I think that that's a very empowering thing to do. And I always use the word empowering. And uh, some people hate that word. And I guess I used to hate that word too. But I think it's a very appropriate way for um, describing what happens when you take control of your life. And sometimes when we fail at something, The temptation is to feel like we're not in control of our lives. The temptation is to feel like we're our victim. And sometimes we are, you know, for sure. But in the end, no matter what your situation, you can control how you are going to choose to act, how you are going to speak, how you are going to respond, what goals you're going to set for yourself in the future. Maybe you're going to apply for a different job. That's what my friend is doing. Maybe um, there's some new kind of skill that you think you need to learn in order to achieve your goals. Um, Maybe there's somebody who has succeeded where you have failed and you're going to go contact that person and find out what you need to know. Find out how they did it. Learn from them. So these are all just some ideas I have for how to handle failure in a healthy way. We all know the unhealthy ways you might be tempted. So acknowledge how you feel, stop any negative coping, engage in healthy responses, accept responsibility as it's appropriate, ask yourself what you can learn, and then from that, make a forward-looking plan for the future. If you have ideas to share, and I'm actually um, asking my friend who I was emailing back and forth with to maybe share a little bit of her experience. If I get her to leave that voicemail, I'll be sharing it with you in the coming weeks. Um, But if you have an experience of failure or something you learned from failure or, um, you know, some ways in which you've learned to cope with failure in a healthy way, I would love to hear what your ideas are. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can email me a voicemail, just record a voice memo on your phone and send it to me at that email address or connect with me on Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer, which is a fun app where you can easily leave voice messages for people. The link to connect with me on Voxer is always in the show notes for the Girlfriends podcast, which are always published at ascensionpress.com. All right, coming up, I have a lot of feedback from you all to share and respond to, but first a quick break. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ chose corrupt, broken, imperfect, 
sinful men to be the foundation of his church. And because these broken and perfect men chose to remain in relationship with Jesus, they became saints. And they were used by Jesus to transform hearts and minds 2,000 years later. I invite you to check out my book, Broken and Blessed, where you'll find practical tools to overcome habitual sin, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and to walk with an imperfect church toward a perfect God who is calling all of us to perfection over time. To order the paperback book or audiobook, Broken and Blessed, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome back. A lot of you have been speaking to me in my love language, which are voicemail messages for the Girlfriends podcast. Um, first up, we hear from Allison. Take a listen. This is Allison Keppel. I um, wanted to comment on the whole get how to get your kids to behave at mass thing. It's definitely been on my heart as I watch a lot of the difficulties moms, young moms go through these days. I am not a young mom. My oldest is 21. I have nine children down to four-year-old twin girls. I've done a lot, just like you. Um, I've been reading your blog for years. Um, it's Really interesting, but I think principles, oh, I'm also pregnant with my 10th, so we'll be doing it all over again. I think when it comes to getting your kids to behave at mass, it's all about principles. The first principle being we're there to teach them to worship. We are there to worship. It Then the next principle would be don't do or allow your child to do things that a grown-up shouldn't do at mass. Don't give them a, de an, a, a device. Do not let them eat food and drink. If you have to feed your kid, um, do it in the car, do it outside. It's not that big of a deal. I also feel like uh, we need to have expectations. They're not going to be well-behaved. That's a rare exception. So we want to teach them to do a good job, and that means restraining them. You have to restrain young children, and that's hard but it gets easier. You hold them in the pew to the best of your ability. Then you take them to the back and then you go out or you use the cry room when you have to. Going outside is a blessing sometimes because it gives us a break to calm down too and understand that they're going to be wild monkeys. That's what they do. Um, having those expectations that it's going to take probably four years before your kid can behave at mass. The other thing is, is that anything you bring to church and you let your child have can be used as a weapon against you, the siblings, or the lady in front of you. Always a good time. Um, anyway, I have more thoughts on this. I feel like as a mom, I like to take my kids out if they're misbehaving um, or getting too loud because I like to let people be um, as minimally interrupted as possible, but that's my line. Um, anyway, contact me. I would love to talk more about this. Thanks for all that you do. Thank you, Allison. You have a wealth of experience expecting number 10. Amazing. Congratulations. Um, and I love that you have shared your experience in this thoughtful way. Um, I can tell from what you're sharing that you're a very practical person and that these are things that you've learned over the years. And I think sometimes young moms, and I know because I was there myself once, what they really want is that kind of voice of experience, someone just telling them, 
it, it's going to be okay. You can so do this. And if they start freaking out, worst case scenario, you walk out of the church with them. It's okay. Um, I, I was thinking of this voicemail when I was at Mass this weekend because our Mass is uh, the church where we've been going doesn't have a ton of young families, but um, it was actually really nice. There were a lot of little kids, maybe because the tourist season's beginning around here and their families traveling and visiting. Um, but there were a lot of little kids at Mass and it was loud. <laughs> I mean, really loud. And there were multiple moms, I noticed, and dads who brought their kids to the back. And um, it was making me remember those days when we were doing that sort of thing. And I even noticed a grandma who was with her little guy. And I um, I, I thought that was very sweet. Like, you know, it, it made me realize, oh, maybe my days of doing this are not over completely. I may go back to that at some point. Um, but anyway, I, I wanted to just add in my two cents that um, if you're struggling with kids misbehaving at Mass, first of all, Allison's points are terrific. It's very helpful. Um, and just kind of setting that standard for your kids. But then also just just know that it's going to get easier and it's going to get better. And it's not the end of the world if your kid freaks out at mass. Like people are not as disturbed as you think they are. I know that I've felt horribly embarrassed by my kids really causing a disruption in the past. And now just being on the other side of it, you know, like I experienced at mass this weekend, truly was loud. It was hard to hear father's homily at a certain point. Um, but I wasn't upset about it at all. <laughs> and I looked around and I didn't think anybody really was. Uh, it's just life, you know, and I was happy those kids were there. So anyway, um, just adding another little bit of encouragement to the great wisdom that Allison has shared. Thanks for reaching out, Allison. I love that you sent me that voicemail. And I love that you are sharing with the women in your community um, those kinds of encouraging thoughts about bringing kids to Mass. Hi, Danielle. My name is Shannon. I really enjoyed your podcast about Catery's wedding and everything that went into it. I also did our program for my wedding almost 11 years ago. And because we had a lot of out-of-town friends who were either fallen away Catholics or not Catholic at all, I made it a point to explain what was going on within the program at different parts of the Mass. And so it ended up being, I don't know, probably like a nine or ten page book. But my mom took it down to the parish where she was working at the time to print it, and we realized that we had the formatting all wrong. So as you were talking about your program printing trials, I was just kind of laughing remembering that. And also my husband... Uh, gathered a whole bunch of music and made all of these CDs, which my brother and one of my brothers-in-law played during our reception. So we did that do-it-yourself music thing too, and it worked out really, really well. There was nothing on those CDs that we didn't like, and we were able to skip some of the more common songs that are always played at weddings, which I didn't want because I was a waitress and a bartender for a while, and I served so many weddings, and I just didn't want to hear celebration one more time, especially not at my wedding reception. Anyway, um, I just wanted to share one thing. I can't remember where I heard it, but I just um, wanted to pass it on because it's. I thought it was very beautiful. Somebody was saying that at their wedding, um, the groom instead of, or at the reception, sorry, the groom knelt in front of the bride instead of um, doing the garter removal he um, washed her feet as an emphasis of the analogy that a husband must love his wife as Christ loves the church. And I just thought that was so cool. 
and such a beautiful, meaningful tradition. I don't know as the bride if I would appreciate having my feet washed in front of everybody, but maybe it's something that could be done when they first get back to their um, hotel room or whatever as they start their honeymoon. Anyway, I just thought I would pass it on because you mentioned that Ambrose is getting married soon, and I thought maybe if it's initiated by the groom, it might have even more meaning. So if he's interested in that. Thank you so much for everything you do. I love listening to your girlfriends and MomCast podcasts. And um, I've been praying for you as you help your daughter in starting her vocation as a married woman. And um, I will be praying for you as you get your son ready for his marriage. God bless. Thank you so much for that, Shannon. That was beautiful. What a beautiful idea. I, I absolutely love that idea of washing of the feet. And I've never seen that. Or I, I might have heard of it online somewhere at some point in my travels through the years. But um, I, I love the reminder. And I'm so grateful for that. And um, Shannon shared in the email that accompanied her voicemail that her sister is how she came to know me. It was her, her older sister was a follower of things that I was sharing online years ago. And and she kind of feels like I'm one of her older sister's friends. And I absolutely love that. And, you know, I'm just touched, Shannon, that you would, first of all, take the time to share your voice feedback, but then that you've been praying for me and my family. And um, as we're going through these life transitions and these big events in our lives, I am so touched by that. I'm so grateful for that. And it really underscores for me the fact that what we're doing here when we share through the podcast, when we share through voice feedback, when we share online or in our girlfriend's Facebook group, um, we're really building community. It's real. It's authentic. And of course, there's no replacement for live in-person meetups of people. But then I know and love and have been loved by and prayed for and prayed with so many people through the Girlfriends podcast and through sharing online that I never will meet in person. I won't know, you know, and I think that that's a really beautiful way that we can kind of expand our sense of community. It's a beautiful way that we can connect with other people. So know that I'll be praying for you, Shannon, and whatever um, life transitions you're going through. And I'll be praying for you and your family and your older sister as well. Um, and I want to invite you listeners to please consider praying for other members of our girlfriends community here. I pray for you every week before I start the podcast. I, I pray for you and I keep you in my grateful prayers throughout the week. Um, so I think the more we can make girlfriends a prayerful community, the more we're all going to benefit from that real sense of connection and family that we have here. I am so grateful for that. Next up, I have an email that I want to share that I received from listener Nancy. Nancy writes, Dear Danielle, I recently started listening to Girlfriends. Wow, so many really touch my life right where I live. I'm celebrating 24 years of marriage this summer and we're raising 11 children. You speak to my heart. Wow, 11 children. So we're, we're having a prolific Girlfriends feedback episode, hearing from all these um, awesome moms from huge families. I love it. I'm helping to plan our oldest's wedding, which will be on August 3rd. Please pray for our daughter, Marie, and her fiance, Quinn. 
I have her shower coming up in one week and scrolling through your previous podcasts, I came across the one on hospitality. Once again, you spoke right to me, especially the advice about not making your family crazy. Ouch. I am that crazy mom yelling at everyone, exacting perfection on the most minor details. Your advice is so good for me to hear right now. My favorite quote from the podcast is this. Don't be focused on impressing people. Be focused on welcoming people. I wrote it on a sticky note and I plan to make it my mantra this week. Thank you for all you are doing for Catholic women. Peace and joy, Nancy. Wow, I love that, Nancy. I, I'm I'm honored to be added to a sticky note in your life. And I'm honored to have the opportunity to pray for you and for your daughter, Marie, and her fiancé, Quinn, as they're preparing for marriage. So there's another opportunity for us to pray for other listeners here as a community here at Girlfriends. So absolutely love that. And yes, your family will thank you you. (laughs) Do not drive them crazy this week. I I hope that the shower will be wonderful and you'll pull it off with grace and style. But more importantly than that, have peace in your heart through all of that process. Okay, next I received a message from Elizabeth on Facebook. If you want to find me on Facebook, I am at facebook.com slash Danielle Bean. If you want to join our girlfriend's podcast group, which is a private group on Facebook. You can find us there at facebook.com slash groups slash girlfriends podcast. If you can't remember all of that, just click the link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. We'd love to have you guys join us there. Anyway, Elizabeth reached out on Facebook and says, Hi, Danielle. I see we have a number of mutual friends and I'm a recent follower of the podcast. I love it so far. It's inspiring and brightens my day and makes me feel a sense of kinship and community. Your episode about the four tendencies that Gretchen Rubin talks about, and thanks for introducing me to her podcast too. Um, the side note, uh, her podcast is called Happier, and she does it with her her friend, not friend, sister, well, friend and sister, Elizabeth Kraft. Um, so she says that episode was really helpful. I am definitely an obliger and was wondering if you know of any resources that can help. Is there some private group or email list where women can hold each other accountable? I try to do this with my friends, but it doesn't always work. Thanks for any thoughts. Um, I, I love that you're asking that question, Elizabeth. My first thought when um, I read it was, you know, you say I'm definitely obliger. And I'm wondering if you know of any resources that can help. And I'm like, help you not be an obliger or (laughs) what? Like, so um, for those of you who have no idea what these four tendencies are, you should check out um, GretchenRubin.com. You can read about the four tendencies there. You can listen about them on the podcast. You can read about them in Gretchen's uh, book, but really they're personality types. And an obliger is somebody who really needs outside accountability to be able to stick to um, any kind of plan or goal or discipline. Um, so things that can help. I mean, I I think that maybe actually um, I would recommend, Elizabeth, that you you check out GretchenRubin.com too, because she actually has an app that I haven't checked out, but I've heard her talk about it that helps people to find accountability groups. And um, I know that can be really helpful for people. But beyond that, I mean, I would say, you know, just going on Facebook in our girlfriends group and maybe asking your question there would be a helpful way to kind of find other people who might share your goals. I don't know exactly what your goals are. Like, let's say, for example, your goal is um, you want to do like a whole 30 or something. Um, You can have accountability by finding other people who share that goal and who want to kind of follow along with you on that path. Um, But if you don't have people in your real life that meet that description, then maybe going on the Girlfriends Facebook group could be a good way to kind of 
kind of scout out for people who might share your goals and want to be accountability partners for you in that way. Or check out GretchenRubin.com because I know she has a lot of resources for finding that sort of thing. Thank you, Elizabeth, and good luck. And now one final little bit of feedback um, from listener Katie, who also has some things to share related to the four tendencies in Gretchen Rubin. Hi, Danielle. This is Katie. I just got finished listening to the podcast on how to make good habits stick. And I just wanted to share my experience with using Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies and moving towards better physical health. I'm 48 years old, and three years ago, I was in the worst physical shape of my life. It's been a journey over these past three years to move towards better physical health, but knowing my tendency has really helped me focus in on what I need to do to be successful. So a few months ago, I was in training for a relay race, and around the same time, I started listening to Gretchen Rubin's Happier podcast after hearing about it on your podcast. I was fascinated by the concept of the four tendencies and immediately identified myself as an obliger. And I realized that the reason I was being so diligent about my training for the race was that I had six other people counting on me. So after the conclusion of that race, I signed up for a half marathon in the fall for another accountability piece with my running. And coincidentally, right around the same time, members of my extended family set up a Facebook group, a private group, where we share healthy habits and on a daily basis encourage each other, share what we're doing, and we even have a monthly challenge. So that's been another great accountability piece externally for me. I would be interested in hearing a podcast dedicated to the four tendencies specific to parenting and how to encourage our children, especially those children who have a different tendency than we do as parents. And I had one final observation for any of your listeners who might also be obligers, and that is that in practicing external accountability to practice healthy habits on a regular basis, I found that it's helped me to develop my internal accountability. I got up this morning and went for a two-mile run at the gym. I didn't have to. I just did it for myself. Thank you for all you do, and God bless. Excellent thoughts, Katie. I really appreciate your feedback there and your sharing of your experience with the four tendencies, also from an obliger's perspective. So that might be helpful to Elizabeth. Um, So I think there's been so much, and you know, I only shared a few of them here, but I have received a lot of responses to just my mention. I didn't even do a whole show on personality types. And um, so I think I will do a show on it. And I like your idea, Katie, of applying the four tendencies to parenting styles or how we parent our children who are have different personality types from our own. I think that's really a, a unique challenge. So for sure, look for that in the coming weeks because I have been inspired and I am taking notes. So um, if you have more feedback that you want to share about the four tendencies, about personality types, about wedding planning, uh, about kids at mass, all of these awesome things that we've been talking about and sharing about through feedback here this week, you can reach out to me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. If you really love me, you will send me a voicemail or a Voxer because I love adding your voice to the show. It makes me feel not so alone here at Girlfriends. And now before we have to go, I want to ask you, 
Have you subscribed? Are you a subscriber to the Girlfriends podcast? I want to invite you to subscribe. It takes just a moment and you can do it right now. If you're listening to this in iTunes, just click that subscribe tab because I don't want you to miss any future episodes. I want you to be a living, growing, thriving member of the Girlfriends community. I'm happy that you're here and I don't want to miss out on your presence in the coming weeks. So consider subscribing wherever you listen to the Girlfriends podcast. An additional thing that helps are ratings and reviews at iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us to get the word out and really grow our community of listeners here at Girlfriends. So that's a wonderful way that you can support the Girlfriends podcast if you enjoy what you listen to here. Thanks for being part of today's show. I am always happy to connect with you here and truly your presence is a gift to me. The fact that you listen is so encouraging and truly is an important part of what we're doing here at Girlfriends. You, just by listening, are an important member of the Girlfriends community. Thank you for that. Thank you for being here today. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 